Hello and welcome to The Book Album, your place for everything related to reading and language. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gentz. Now, bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Hello and herzlich willkommen zu unserem Podcast. So excited to bring the sixth Kindle episode that we've done on the show to you today. We've done a lot of Kindle episodes mostly because the Kindle has been an up and down popular topic in the book community. I feel like there's always something to talk about with the Kindle. It is something that's on my mind quite frequently actually when I think about the mediums with which I use to read. Like of course I've got class reading which I split between paper and digital copies like on my iPad. But then there's also, you know, my personal reading, which I go to bookstores. There's that whole social component of bookstores. I love meeting different independent bookstore owners, for example. Um, there's a lot of really awesome bookstores uh, near the university in Munich, near the LMU. And so there's that whole component of if you read a lot, there's this whole community that you can discover. Uh, with you with your paperback books but also then you've got the digital book kindle library which is just so expansive so accessible and there's just so much to dive into with that so if that doesn't convince you why we need <laughs> probably 10 episodes or a dozen episodes on the kindle i don't know what will today we're going to dive into the kindle a little bit differently than we have just as an overview if you are newer here on the show we have been running for many, many years <laughs> since 2018 in the fall. And so now it's 2023, fast forward like six years. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast a long time. Our first Kindle episodes, we had three in the first two years, and those were uh, introducing the Kindle, first uses of the Kindle, that type of thing. I ended up getting my Kindle as a Christmas present in 2019. There was a two-for-one sort of deal on Amazon. I do have the Amazon Paperwhite Kindle, um, and my mother also got a Kindle, so we kind of are buddies in that regard. So that was my first kind of introduction to a Kindle. I had had a Kindle uh, way, way long ago, like when I was in the fifth grade. I was one of the first kind of kids who had a Kindle, but I loved to read. It was my favorite activity besides like sports or the violin. Like I was reading all the time. So I would often use my Kindle for that and I'd bring it to the little reading times that we had in class. Um, so I was very, very fortunate to have a Kindle that early. And I also got a ton of use out of it. I remember I read like all of the classic YA series on it. I think I read eventually like some John Green on it when I was more of a preteen age. So I really got a ton of use out of that Kindle. And that was not an Amazon one. It was a Barnes & Noble Nook. If you remember the very first Nooks out there, that was what it was where it had um, a touch screen part on the bottom and then the rest of it was the classic Kindle view that we would know today but it wasn't touch screen so it was that kind of same like papery slower sort of screen but only the bottom was the touch screen 
We have run, since those first couple episodes, the whole gambit on the Kindle, so the last two episodes were a bit more spread out. There was one episode that I found in our back catalog on relevanceofliterature.com, which you can view all the episodes there on any of your favorite streaming platforms. Um, we found one episode in the 100, be between the 100 and 200 episode mark, and that was um, the... 10 weeks on a Kindle. I was doing, uh, in during my bachelor studies, a couple of challenges with my Kindle to see if I could get it a little more in use, a little more like in rotation. Am I reading? Because I was a minimalist um, and I was like a really staunch minimalist at that time, which is funny because I'm less strict about minimalism now. Um, probably because I'm not as new of a minimalist, but I own less now than I did back then by a lot. I probably own a third of what I did back then because I just need less right now. Um, but yeah, I was trying to find more uses and better uses for the Kindle. So I would do these challenges where all of my reading for 10 weeks or 15 weeks, which were episodes four and five of the Kindle series, were exclusively on the Kindle. So I've had a very up and down relationship, I would say, with the Kindle. I haven't historically used it very much at all, to be completely transparent. Um, I use it typically, I used it before typically, um, if there was a, a certain book that was drastically more expensive, either in the bookstore or online, than the Kindle version. So I used it often to cut down costs. I was using the Kindle app on my computer and on my uh, iPad a lot more for school, so I got a lot of textbooks and would put those on the Kindle app, but that, not, that was not necessarily translating to actual Kindle reader reading. So I had had a couple of like German language books or other sorts of books that were harder to get or even cheaper um, on the Kindle version. So I was using it basically as a catch-all for the books that were drastically harder um, or more expensive to get elsewhere. Now, fast forward years later, I think two or three years later since we've posted the last Kindle episode, I have used the Kindle so much more in the last six months than I have ever in the time that I've owned it, and I'm going to try to reflect on and analyze a little bit why that might be. So let's go into the first category of usage, and what has changed in my usage in that category is travel. I eventually will make an episode on my circumnavigation. I'm sort of working up to it, so there will be a couple episodes probably like this where I'm talking about the circumnavigation and I'll define it and let you all know what exactly that was and why and when, um, but I will eventually do a bigger episode. It's I'm still processing. It was a long trip, um, it was a wonderful trip, um, and there's just so much information. Um, that I need to process and I feel that I really need to distill that before I can communicate it in an episode like this. Very important to start off with here is that I received a travel study grant for my circumnavigation so 
I did not pay for most of the circumnavigation. I didn't pay for the travel or the accommodations or the food or the activities. Anything extra that I bought, I paid for myself, but basically the travel grant was all inclusive. Um, I'm extremely grateful and I continue to have really great relationships with the people who funded me, the uh, Circumnavigator Club Foundation, which is hosted out of New York, Northwestern University, where I attended for my bachelor's degree, hosts a scholarship for the Circumnavigators Club and the club members of Chicago host and help fund a student every single year. There's one student per year who travels. And I was the 2021 grantee for that award. And so I went through an entire process of writing a proposal and working with some mentors um, at the Office of Undergraduate Research at Northwestern to prepare this proposal. I did an entire research project. It was a project about uh, English as a second language learning around the world and about um, accent differentiation, which is actually the metric that I'm studying now in my master's. So, you know, it was, it was an extremely important and pivotal project, not only to get a worldwide perspective of this phenomenon, but also for me personally, as it really helped develop my career. Um, so I wouldn't have been able to do my circumnavigation without this grant. I'm extremely, extremely grateful for all the support and the opportunities that I've gotten I'm now a full-fledged member of the Chicago chapter of the Circumnavigators, Circumnavigators Club Foundation. Um, and I just, I'm continually amazed by the friendliness and the camaraderie and the joy that I get from my fellow Circumnavigators. Knowing these people has been a pivotal and remarkable moment in my life. And so, um, I just can't express the gratitude enough, and I think that needs to be said first and foremost before I start describing sort of the mechanics of the trip and what all went on it, even with my reading. So I circumnavigated the world in 2022, almost exactly a year ago, and a couple weeks will be my one year anniversary of my circumnavigation. Uh, which is amazing, and there has been so much that I have gone through and experienced since then. I'm so grateful for the past year. It's been an amazing year. Um, so my circumnavigation, um, let's define it. A circumnavigation is, by definition, a single trip in which the traveler crosses all world meridians in one direction. So for example, I went from North America down to South America through Europe and through Asia to Australia and back through North America and I ended uh, more eastward in North America than when I started. So I passed all the world meridians traveling only in an eastward direction. So I never backtracked and I also went entirely around the world in a single trip. My trip lasted three months, 11 weeks. So almost at that, <laughs> it, was, it was a long trip. Um, so it was about three months, but I think the exact number of weeks was 11. Um, ended up traveling last year 1.5 times around the world because three days after I finished my circumnavigation, I moved here to Munich, to Germany. So uh, it was not a lot of time to prepare or to process even from that trip. Um, and there's just every day, as you can imagine, on uh, such an 
expansive and such an uh, intense trip. I was traveling alone, um, so there was a lot of safety and other components that I had to prepare for for that. Um, but every day on the trip was just like bucket loads of information. I did bring my Kindle on this circumnavigation. Um, I traveled to five different countries on four different continents. Um, so I started in North America, I started in my hometown of Tucson, Arizona, and then I went down to Cusco, Peru in South America, and then I went all the way up to Malaga, Spain in Europe, and then I went a little bit eastward to Europe, uh, to Prague, Czech Republic, Praha, and then I went to Asia, I went to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and then I was originally supposed to go to Japan, that didn't work out due to COVID reasons, so I backtracked and kind of, I didn't backtrack, I rerouted rather to Melbourne, Australia, which m one of the most amazing experiences I've had on a trip period, all these places were wonderful and unique in their own ways, and I had just such a unique and amazing time in all of them. Um, and then from Melbourne, Australia, I went to Honolulu, Hawaii, Los Angeles, California, and then to Chicago, where I ended my circumnavigation. So on this trip, um, I did bring my Kindle, as I said, uh, but I did a little reading analysis of my trip, actually, um, before I was recording this episode, um, and I didn't realize how many paper books I bought during my trip, um, mostly because uh, I only brought, I think, two paper books home with me. I did the entire trip in a backpack. Um, I used the packed travel bag. Um, I have the duffel bag and the backpack because I travel like a lot, a lot. Um, and this is not sponsored or anything in any way by them. Um, but yeah, that's the backpack I used. I still use that for any trip longer than a week. Otherwise, I bring a small bag, like a small uh, carry-on backpack kind of size. This isn't like a camping backpack, the packed bag. Um, you can actually fit it under the seat in most airplanes. So uh, as you can imagine, I was, I was packing very, very light especially for the consideration that it was winter in some places and summer in other places <laughs> during the trip. So it was winter in places like Peru and Australia, but it was summer in places like Spain was so, so blistering hot, uh, Prague, Kuala Lumpur, a little bit warmer. Um, so I wasn't hurting for space, I would say, um, actually, because the amount that I bring on a trip, um, there are some things like shampoo and other things that I might bring more of, but the amount that I bring for like a week trip versus a month trip doesn't really change. And so um, bringing my Kindle was definitely a way to try to save space on the trip, but I didn't feel like bringing the paperback books were like a huge hindrance to my ability to carry the bag. Or anything like that um, and I turns out I actually had started buying paper books even in Peru so I think my first week there um, I had gotten really sick on the trip and so 
Uh, I remember I had bought the second Sherlock Holmes book by Arthur Conan Doyle and was reading that like in bed while I was sick. Um, and that was a really quick read, a really enjoyable one as well. I bought Persuasion by Jane Austen in Peru as well. Finished that on the plane to Spain. Um, bought a couple more books along the way. I especially bought books in Prague, I remember. Prague and Kuala Lumpur were kind of the hotspots for book buying for me. And by the time that I had gotten to Australia, my schedule was very packed because I had to do a lot of uh, pre-planning because of the Japan change. So I had less time in Australia than any other place on the trip. Um, and I didn't get to visit any bookstores, I don't think. Um, and it was mostly just like being at school, being, you know, on the trip and doing things. So to get to the point, of the 11 books I read on my 11 week trip, only one book was from my Kindle. And that book was How to Travel with a Salmon and Other Essays by Umberto Eco. I did a review of that book actually on my trip and it was hilarious, I enjoyed it a lot. Echo has this amazing, unique voice, which I enjoyed, um, but I was shocked looking at these numbers in retrospect because literally one eleventh of my reading on the trip took place on my Kindle, so I basically didn't use the Kindle at all, um, which is definitely something that I'm going to think about when I plan for my next big trip. You might wonder what I did with all of the books when I was traveling and I did not like randomly dispose of them. I always found a place to donate them. In Europe especially, there's a lot of book lending libraries. So if you walk around, I love to like walk around the neighborhoods and the cities of various places during the day. So when I was walking around, I would often just bring the finished book with me and deposit it at one of those neighborhood lending libraries. Um, I also, you know, found various people to give the book to. Sometimes people would come up to me and ask me what I was reading and I would say, oh my gosh, you know, I just finished this amazing book, like, do you want this? Um, so there were opportunities everywhere to pass on the books in a way that wasn't just disposing of them. Of course, the books that I bought during my trip were more expensive, and that was, I think, the big downside to buying the paper books when I was in uh, the various places on my trip. Uh, it was definitely like a big budget item, especially in Prague and Malaysia, like I mentioned, and that was something that I think I need to figure factor into um, my next bigger trip is because I didn't plan necessarily to buy so many books. I didn't really plan for how much I was going to be reading paper-wise. Uh, I had even had like an Amazon gift card and had downloaded a bunch of books on my Kindle before the trip, so it wasn't like I was in this like great need of something, <laughs> you know? Um, but I ended up buying books anyway, which, you know, total bibliophile. I hope that you all can relate. <laughs> I would say though that the positive of buying so many books was that it was very luxurious. It felt kind of like a true, like, you know, I was at work, I was at the schools a lot um, where I was researching English as a second language curriculum and teaching. Um, and I was, yeah, I was there a lot, but at the same time, um, it was, um, there were downtime, right? There was some downtime during the trip. and. 
it was just like it felt so luxurious sometimes to go to a park or like even at the zoo in Melbourne like I was just kind of <laughs> sitting down and reading every once in a while or at a cafe even um, and that's something that that kind of like luxury like tactile feel I can't really get from the Kindle. Let's fast forward in this travel category to some more recent uses of the Kindle. I have taken a lot of day trips recently. There's a ton of them you can do from Munich, uh, Salzburg, Erding, um, even Nuremberg, um, Garmisch to a certain extent. Like, there's just so many like places, um, not only in Germany, but a lot of them are in Germany, like Regensburg, that you can take from Munich. So. The day trip has been like my favorite form of travel recently, especially as things have gotten more and more busy at school as we kind of head into the latter half of the semester. Um, and so it's really, the Kindle is really easy to use if you need to pack really light somewhere, right? If I'm doing a day trip, I'm not bringing any like clothes or anything like that. And I need to pack super light because I'm going to be walking the entire day. I love to walk through cities like I mentioned. so. That's really the goal of the day trip, is just to explore a city for a day. And I can't really carry this huge backpack while I'm doing that, because I have a very small stature, so the amount that I can carry is quite limited. <laughs> and also, I would say daily transportation in Munich. Um, I live close to the city center, but also I have to take a train, so um, it's amazing that Munich is so connected with the public transport. Um, and I find it also great that when I'm reading a Kindle, I can read one-handed on the train. This is very useful, especially if there's standing room only, which there has been this past week as there's been some disruptions in the city center. Um, and so I've literally been able to like hold on to the bar with one hand and read with the other. And that's like so perfect for my daily reading needs. And let's end the episode with a couple of reasons why I might have some increased use on the Kindle. So the first is, as I just mentioned, the ease of use on trains and other forms of transportation. If you think about like a really crowded bus where there's just like people everywhere, um, reading a giant, you know, hardcover book is not the most practical, um, especially if you have to put it in a compartment in your backpack that's less easy to reach. So for me, when I'm going to school, if something can fit in the very, like, outer compartment of my backpack that's much smaller, and my Kindle definitely does, then that's going to be something that I can reach more easily and have less sort of exposure of my personal belongings, you know? Um, so that's something that's very, very practical for the everyday. The second reason, also as I just mentioned, is that I'm doing a lot more day trips. So the type of travel I've been doing is much different than before because when I lived in America, my trips were often by plane, and so I would have to do, even if it was a short one, like back home for example, I would, you know, take at least a full backpack of uh, items with me. On these day trips, I'm just trying to pack as light as possible, especially since I bring a lot of water with me. Uh, so yeah, it just it has so helped revolutionize my day trip planning with bringing uh, the Kindle for sure. Also, uh, here in Germany, I would say that books are more expensive than they are in the states. Um, there's a variety of reasons for this, which I won't get into. 
um, but especially when it comes to finding English books or um, like English books with regard to not only the availability but also the expense. You know, a book like I've been trying to find The Force of Such Beauty by Barbara Borland lately, um, and it's like 10 US dollars more expensive here in Germany than it would be in the States. Um, and so that's a big prohibitive factor for me when I'm reading especially newer books, um, so new releases or books like for um, the English Book Club at the America House, which I'm a part of. Um, so there's just, there are places in Munich that have these books and that sell them for a fairly reasonable price, don't get me wrong. Um, but a lot of the times when I'm personally looking for my own reading needs or if I hear about a book, um, for example, The Ugly History of Beautiful Things, uh, which also just came out, these kinds of books um, are just harder to find and uh, so there's not, they're not as accessible in Munich, they're also a lot more expensive. So that's a huge draw for me to read on the Kindle because it's just so much more convenient. Um, and that convenience really takes the cake, especially, you know, during weeks where I'm quite busy with studies and don't have as much time to go out and order the book and then come back and pick up the book. You know, it's just a lot uh, with the digital download. It can really, really make a difference. Also, I think that I've started to understand the type of book that I'm most likely to read on the Kindle. Before, I would get the exact same books that I would read on paperback on the Kindle. So books like Dutch House by Anne Patchett, um, you know, books like The Twilight Books or something like this. These are not books that I would recommend reading on the Kindle, at least not for people like me. And the reason why is that they're longer and they're not as enjoyable when you don't have the book in front of you. And so the books that I have learned to buy on the Kindle are often shorter, so shorter in terms of page count. I'm reading The Heart is a Lonely Hunter by Carson McCullers right now, um, and that book is just perfectly uh, fit for the Kindle. It's, I think it's like, some people were saying at the book club that it was like a lot longer, but I think when I was first downloading it and reading about it, I was like, oh, this seems like a pretty short book. <laughs> so. It seems short to me, and maybe that's a wrong impression. I have no idea what the page count, like, <laughs> um, conversion is on the Kindle. Like, it's kind of like I turned off the percentage of book that I've been through on the Kindle. You can have different settings of, you know, how big or small the text is, for example. I just turned all that off. Like, I can't see where I'm at in the book or how much I have left or anything. So I'm kind of blind in terms of like I, I have no idea how long books are <laughs> which is why short books are amazing um, for the Kindle because you have a better sense of small wins like you get through the chapters a lot faster I know that um, at least for me my Kindle is like a lot smaller than a normal paperback so the amount of pages I flip through on the Kindle is actually uh, a lot more than I would if it was just reading a normal paperback. So it, it might be like a two to one or a 1.5 to one page correspondence, but if it's a shorter book, you're gonna get through it faster anyway. Also books that I'm very motivated to read, this might mean that I have an external motivation to read the book. So books uh, you know, for literature class, books for 
book clubs. I'm in two now and I'm joining a third. <laughs> so, um, you know, any sort of those books, uh, I have a very uh, high external motivation to read them. So that's also um, a good reason for me to download that book as a Kindle book. Um, and I would also say that now, and I've made an episode a couple, maybe even like a month of a month and a half ago at this point, um, but I made an episode about why I haven't been enjoying reading this year as much, and I am happy to report that that has completely changed, especially with like Jane Eyre and other books that we've more recently reviewed. Um, but I wasn't vetting my books very well. I wasn't like researching them beforehand. I wasn't making sure that they were a good fit for me. And so now that I'm doing that a lot more and now that I know exactly what I'm, you know, picking up and now that I've even like, I'll go on Google and if it's available, I'll read the first chapter or something on just the free Google books. Um, now that I'm doing that, the books have been so much better and I'm not buying books on the Kindle anymore that I'm not interested in. I'm not buying books, in other words, that I'm, you know, interested in for my ideal self. I'm buying books that I actually want to read and that has made all the difference in my Kindle usage. So y'all, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I have one small announcement, which is that we do have an Etsy account, an Etsy uh, shop now. And the Etsy shop is all things digital download when it comes to things like budget templates or savings challenges or even weekly templates if you have a lot of to-do list type activities that you need to do with regard to work or school. All of that stuff is digital download on our Etsy shop. It's etsy.com shop slash the Elaine edit. Elaine is spelled E-L-A-I-N-E, and it would help the show out, it would help me out a ton if you all would just check our shop out. We make a ton of new listings every week, um, there's just a lot of activity going on there, and it's a great way to support the show if you're not a member of our Patreon, um, patreon.com slash literature. So with that all said, thank you all so much, and I hope you have a great week. See you next Monday. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to hear more from us, we've done everything from Shakespeare to Dracula. There really is a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our website at relevanceofliterature.com under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalog of episodes, as well as any current goings-on of our show. If you are looking for even more content, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash relevanceofliterature. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next time.